The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. I just ask if you have any information about why the president's personal attorneys were at the Penn Biden Center in the first place. Were they looking for something specific? Was there something specific they were doing going through these documents? It just seems like to send, if it was just routine moving stuff, to send a personal attorney to do I, I would well. refer you to the White House Counsel's uh, very extensive um, uh, uh, kind of information on, on Monday that they provided. Uh, so I refer you to that. The first set of documents were found in November at the Penn Biden Center here in Washington. Mm -hmm. Why did it take until yesterday and until this morning, apparently, for whoever it was to inform Robert Lausch that that final document was found. Was that because there were press reports earlier this week? Again, and the hope was that nobody would find out? Again, or was it because... There is a process, an ongoing process that is occurring. We did this by the book. What was the president trying to say when he referenced his Corvette earlier today? Because it sounded like he was implying that because his garage is a safe place for his car, the documents were safe. And, and therefore, it was a, if it was safe for the car, it was safe for the documents. Is that what he meant? Look, I, I'm going to just leave his statement as is. Um, you talk about we are being transparent. Who's we, and what is the definition of transparent in this case? Is it the lawyers being transparent legally with the archives and the Justice Department, or is it the White House writ large being transparent with the general public? So number one, and I've said this multiple times already, we take this very seriously. The president takes this very seriously. He was not aware that the records were there. Uh, he does not know what, what is in uh, the documents. There's the uh, White House press corps actually asking some decent questions. Uh, it's not just Peter Ducey. You can see there quite a few questions about the, the timing, why the attorneys were even there. And then uh, there's Karine Jean-Pierre at the end saying that uh, Biden didn't know the documents were there. He doesn't know even what's in the documents, which is a, a strange and kind of bizarre defense. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience can hardly believe it's the end of the broadcasting week. We come to you live every every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. You can get to the live video stream of this show at our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live and you can get to this show. You can also watch it on on demand, of course. Uh, and you can get our literature, any of our literature. It's offered free, without cost, without obligation. That's at our website as well. You can, of course, call our operators and uh, request anything that you hear uh, referenced on this program. The 800 number, if you live in the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean, that's one 930 3024 So, as I say, you can s sense a little bit of a shift in the tone of some of these reporters who are demanding answers. It's not uh, right across the board. I mean, there's still, 
there's still plenty of people out there who are just uh, blaming every, anything and everything on Donald Trump or Republicans, uh, like Hank Johnson. He's a he's a Democrat, and I believe he's in the House and has had some pretty bizarre statements over the years. Listen to his take from yesterday, clip five. My response to it all is that alleged classified documents showing up allegedly in the possession of uh, of uh, Joseph Biden. Uh, you know, I mean, there's so much that needs to be um, investigated. And um, and that's that's what I call for is for everything to be investigated. But I'm suspicious of the timing of it. I'm, I'm also aware of the fact that things can be planted on people. Pe- Places and things can be planted. Um, things things can be planted in places uh, and then discovered conveniently. That may be what has occurred here. I'm not ruling that out. He's not ruling out the fact that they were planted. And really, if you uh, kind of analyze KJP's statement, the fact that Biden didn't know they were there. And he didn't know the contents of the documents. I mean, that kind of implies that uh, I guess they were planted or else maybe she's claiming that he, again, didn't know what he was doing. He forgot. He 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 maybe is suffering from dementia. Who knows? Who knows? But there's Hank Johnson. He's a believer in the conspiracy that Republicans planted the documents. He's not even quite sure that these are classified documents. He used the word allegedly. Listen to all of the uh, the sharp commentation commentating on uh, on the View. This is the ladies from the View from I believe yesterday as well. Clip four. You know, you know what I think? I've never Trump. seen a, a luckier person than Donald Trump. Just as we're this close well, to getting him, but you somehow know these but it, documents you know appear. But here's the thing: Biden is wrong to have done this. He, he was in office wrong. for well, let's years. Find out, let's that. find out what this is first. Now, again, mm. one of the things That's that true. gets me crazy is before we know, it's already been spun a specific yeah. way. I don't want to see that. But I want to see. Someone explain to me, A, how it's possible that after all this time, nobody yeah. knew this. Because to me, if you're missing classified information, I don't mean to laugh, but in my house, does, if stuff is missing, I know it's missing. Does it missing. feel like oppo research to you? Does it feel like the Republicans are behind it? It's I, not. I it did originally, but I'm sorry, sorry. but not, not now. Joe, Joy Behar, early on, she's, of course... She's suspicious because of the timing. They were, they're so close to putting Donald Trump in prison for uh, helping himself to classified documents. And then here are these classified documents, and they're all over the place. Now, I mean, Fox confirmed yesterday there's a third place. You've got, you've got the Corvette next to the Corvette in a home. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Then you've got the, they're at the University of Pennsylvania, and then they're at uh, Joe Biden's residence. In Wilmington, this was the, the the latest breaking news on these these classified documents that are now appearing all over the place. Clip one. Our team just got off the phone with a senior official at the Department of Justice, uh, weighing in on this point um, that. We appear to be able to confirm that that is correct, that a third discovery uh, was a single document. According to this official to Fox News, the DOJ just found out about that one this morning, and it was found at his residence. So three locations now have been confirmed just this week. And you go back to the timing. They're made aware of this. The lawyers 
who I guess were on a mission to, to do what back in November? Well, first, the documents, they're, they're, nobody knows about it. For six years, the Biden people are going on and on about how cooperative they are, and yet they were missing, or at least they were in Joe Biden's possession for six years, and they were being moved around, just, just thinking of it logically. Here are documents, classified documents, that are being moved. Certainly the ones that went from somewhere to the University of Pennsylvania in the summer of 2017. That, uh, that Biden Center, funded by the CCP, we're connecting some of the dots this week. At least it's good to see some in the White House press corps asking some serious questions, wanting answers. Miranda Devine, she... She got a copy of one of Hunter Biden's background checks. And the current address where Hunter lives is where Joe Biden, the father, stores his Corvette. So the garage that's totally secure, as Joe Biden said yesterday, the garage that's totally secure that has the classified documents, Hunter Biden has access to those documents. So what is going on? The press corps is right to be demanding answers. Yesterday, Merrick Garland's uh, Department of Justice announced that they're, they're uh, triggering a, a special counsel uh, to investigate this. This is, uh, this is from Merrick Garland, clip three. Earlier today, I, si I signed an order appointing Robert Herr a special counsel for the matter I've just described. The document authorizes him to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with this matter. The special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day -day supervision of any official of the department, but he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department. Mr. Herr has a long and distinguished career as a prosecutor. And, and many commentators have, made, have uh, had a lot to say about the fact that Donald Trump, I guess, appointed him to one of his positions as attorney general. Uh, in any event... He's, uh, as others have noted, like Cash Patel, Steve Bannon, he's, he's deep into the deep state, Robert Herr. So I don't know exactly what's at play here, but we've, we've seen in recent years investigations that really kind of functioned in two different ways. Like one is to, in the case of like Mueller, harass, persecute Donald Trump, go into the FISA courts, get these spy warrants so that you can tap into phones, that sort of thing. But then simultaneously, like my father brings out an America under attack, they, they also work to cover their tracks. So it's pretty clear that Obama is throwing Biden under the bus. How that this is going to play out, where that this special counsel will lead, I guess remains to be seen. The, uh, the, the commentator, Mark Bradman, he's Sundance. We've referred to him a lot over at Conservative Treehouse. His take is this. Essentially, it looks like A.G. Merrick Garland is appointing a special counsel because, A, he has to deflect political criticism given the issues and the growing scale. So some have said, well, he kind of has to do this so that he can keep the one going on Donald Trump to make that legitimate, you know, because he's, he's objective. And then Bradman says here, B, because a special counsel appointment will now throw the bag of a current investigation over any efforts from Republican House of Representatives to investigate the office of presidency, 
we've seen it so many times before, these hearings where, you know, the FBI guy or the DOJ guy goes up before the committee and says, well, I can't really answer that. I can't get into sources and methods. So they use the investigation as a form of cover so that they don't have to reveal what actually happened. One thing that we know about all of this scandalous activity that's been going on for years and the big reveal this week or the series of reveal reveals is that it's Joe Biden's attorneys. It's his attorneys that are releasing the information over to the DOJ. They're the ones discovering it. They're the ones releasing it. And then you've got these corrupt agencies, the DOJ and the FBI, that are now having to deal with it, to investigate it. So as I say, you can expect there's going to be a lot covered up. Even as more and more is exposed, they're certainly not going to want other Democrats to suffer. If, if the aim here is to keep Joe Biden from running for re-election, then you, you can't imagine a scenario where this special counsel will want to send the Biden crime family off to prison where they belong. But I think the message, Joe Biden and his wife have already indicated that they want to. They, they're, they're interested in seeking re-election. And this is right around the time when they were to make the official announcement. So that certainly has been set aside for the moment as he's trying to answer for himself. He's trying to answer what, what, what was it about these classified documents at the Biden Center in the University of Pennsylvania And what about the boxes of documents behind your Corvette in this garage of all places? And to hear him, as you heard yesterday, to try to justify that as a safe and secure location. No raids as yet on any of the Biden properties. But to think about Hunter, he's at the address where the Corvette is, or at least it's one of his addresses. They've got properties all over the earth. Going back to what we've been saying this week, I think it was the Wednesday show. Is Obama pulling the plug on Joe Biden? I kept sending emails to Sam yesterday just seeing all of these reports, these tweets, all these people that are basically saying the same thing. I mean, that that Biden's throwing him under the or rather Obama is throwing him under the bus. This was from Tucker just last night. Clip seven. This is pretty clearly the beginning of the end for Joe Biden. We can't prove that. The future is unknowable. But holy smokes, it does not look good. And it doesn't look good in a very recognizable way. Somewhere in his basement rec room, drinking a Corvoisier on ice, Andrew Cuomo is chuckling to himself. He's seen this movie before. Joe Biden's own aides keep finding stacks of felonies he's left around the place, in his office, in his car. And instead of throwing this evidence in the fireplace, as under normal circumstances they would, they're sending these documents on to the Justice Department. The reference there to Andrew Cuomo, he, he said it was, you remember in 2020, uh, Cuomo was the next presidential candidate for the Democrat Party. And he was engaged in all kinds of corruption himself and botched everything with respect to the COVID response. But Tucker's point last night with respect to Cuomo is that when the Democrats were through with him, they just, as I say, threw him under the bus. And now... Tucker says the same thing is happening with Joe Biden as his aides, his lawyers, his people are turning him in, revealing his crimes. And it's such an easy thing to do with respect to classified information, because as Tucker said last night, there's something like a billion pieces 
of classified documents out there. It's so easy. I mean, they went after Trump for the napkins and the dinner menus. It's an easy way to set someone up. Maybe, maybe there's some truth to what Hank Johnson was saying, except that it's not Republicans planting this evidence or the, these, these files. It may be Obama's people. Certainly, if, if they didn't plant the evidence or the files, they're certainly exposing it. It's his own people doing this, whether it's the garage or the, the office at the Biden Center or the Wilmington residence. It says here at CNN, the Justice Department is seeking to question two people. Notice this. Again, you think it's going to be right. You think justice is going to be blind with respect to these two investigations, the one into Donald Trump and the one into Joe Biden. Listen to this from CNN. It says the Justice Department is seeking to question two people who searched Donald Trump's properties in November as federal investigators have asked whether the former president returned all classified documents to the federal government. Sources familiar with the probe tell CNN. It says the development is the latest sign that the Justice Department is continuing to investigate after telling a federal court last year it believed there was a possible obstruction of justice related to Trump's handling of classified uh, materials. I mean, in this investigation, they can't even trust the people that went into to uh, Mar-a-Lago to get the remaining documents. they got to grill them. They can't trust it. But here, in the case of Biden, look at all. Who took the documents? To the Wilmington home. Who took the documents to the, the garage where the Corvette is parked? Who took the documents? Or how many people were involved in these transitions from one, one place to the next? Again, you've got to give some credit to those in the White House press corps who are at least asking more serious questions. But you can see why KGP is so <laughs> hesitant to be forthright and uh, that O'Keefe uh, journalist from CBS, he really nailed her. I didn't include it in the montage, but he nailed her in the end about, look, where's the transparency here? Are, are, you, are you just saying this because of what was reported yesterday or earlier, or earlier this week? The more they answer, the more questions it brings up. So you can see why they're so so careful with their response. Tucker talked about the timing of it all and how the DOJ knew all about this, even in the lead up to uh, the midterms. This is clip eight. The Department of Justice knew on November 4th that Joe Biden had committed crimes. November 4th was four days before a pivotal midterm election. So naturally, the DOJ didn't issue a press release about it. They didn't dispatch the FBI to raid Biden's home in Rehoboth and route through Dr. Jill's underwear drawer. No chance of that. Biden may be a terrible president, but he's still a Democrat. It's not like he's orange. So Merrick Garland, who is, and we cannot emphasize this enough, a soulless hack who will do anything the Democratic Party requires of him. Merrick Garland kept the news secret long enough to keep other Democrats out of the blast zone. Why hurt everybody else? They're just trying to hurt one guy. It's Joe Biden. Just trying to prevent him because they know he's finished. They've, they've gotten everything out of the, the puppet that they can. So they want, they want him out of the way. And they certainly don't want any other Democrat to be punished in the process. Tucker gave one final, I have one final clip. This is clip nine. If you're still wondering where there is an organized effort within the White House to hurt Joe Biden, all you need to know is this. His staff keeps putting him out there in public to talk. 
which of course he can't do. He can barely read a prepared statement. Notice they did not do that during the last presidential campaign in 2020 because they knew it wouldn't help and they wanted the White House. And it helps even less now, but they're doing it. Why are they doing that now? Well, here's a guess. Right after the midterm elections in November, Joe Biden made it clear he had no plans to step aside. So Joe Biden is in very serious trouble tonight. He said he, he wanted to seek re-election, and as Tucker brings out there, he's in serious trouble. The, the show we put together on Wednesday, I just encourage you to go back and uh, view that if you would like more on this subject. Has Obama pulled the plug on Biden? As we've said for so long on this program, Obama is the puppet master. It's just like he told Stephen Colbert there at the end of, uh, of 2016 or 17, I forget the year. But he basically said, yeah, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to run the presidency because I love the work. I'd love to run it from the basement in my, uh, in my sweats because I really like the work. I find the work fascinating. And that's exactly what's playing out. And as we've said from early on in this illegitimate presidency, when, they're, when they've gotten everything that they can get out of the fake president, then they'll just shove him aside. And whether or not that happens before the 2024 election or at the election or the campaigning for it, there's a lot that, uh, that uh, is yet to happen, of course, to factor in prophecy. You need to go to America under attack to understand the truth about 2 Kings 14 and Amos 7 and the Jeroboam prophecies, the Antiochus prophecies. Those of you that watch regularly, you know quite a bit about that. If you haven't gotten America under attack, just yet. Call our operators today, 1-866-930-3024. When we come back, we'll talk about the uh, the latest Twitter file revelation. They're already up to 14, if you can believe it. And this one might seem like a smaller revelation, unless, unless you happen to be a regular reader of the Trumpet magazine. You can call that same 800 number and become a subscriber to the Trumpet magazine. It comes out 10 times per year. Uh, just call that 800 number and request a, a free one-year subscription to the Trumpet. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Freedom is one of the most sought-after ideals in human history. Man's search for freedom has taken him into the fiercest of protests, struggles, revolutions, civil wars, and even world wars. Today, in the midst of free societies, many continue to fight for what they perceive as ever greater freedoms. And yet, many of these same people are actively fighting against law. Few people understand that this war against law actually undermines true freedom. To learn more, request Gerald Flurry's booklet, No Freedom Without Law. In this free booklet, you will see what the Bible says about the latter-day spirit of rebellion and lawlessness that is now so common in our nations today. Also request America Under Attack. In this booklet, you will learn more about the spirit behind this attack on law. You'll see where this is leading. Both booklets are offered freely at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law 
and America Under Attack. Email your request to td at kpcg.fm or visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Earlier this week, we uh, referred to a Washington Post story about the, uh, the, the, so, the supposed interference in the 2016 election coming from all the Russian bots. They were really on this, these radical communists, not just for the, uh, the election in 2016, but a couple years later, you'll remember the, uh, the Nunes memo that came out, basically that, that blew the lid off of this, these many lies and, and all the deception regarding the, uh, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Nunes exposed it. And if you remember, this goes back to the start of 2018. I mean, the, the radical Democrats were fighting, fighting mad over the revelation of this, this memo. And they said the, the memo was just propaganda. There was no truth in it. And they didn't want you to see it. And the Twitter files, Twitter files 14, exposes the interactions between the deep state and this this uh, social media powerhouse as these prominent leftists were trying to prevent the Nunes memo from being distributed or from getting the news that it deserved. On January 18th, 2018, Devin Nunes submitted his memo to the House Intel Committee exposing that the Steele dossier was a fraud. And again, if you've subscribed to the Trumpet magazine, you, you know about the articles we wrote at that time. But I just want to emphasize the fighting that was going on. There were those in Congress, Adam Schiff, Dianne Feinstein, Richard Blumenthal. They were all maintaining that the story, you know, there was a hashtag evidently that said, hey, you've got to reveal the Nunes memo. And these prominent Democrats in Congress said that hashtag is there hashtag is there because of Russian bots. It's Russian bots that are promoting this. And you've got to do something about this, Twitter. And of course, the people on the inside of Twitter were looking into it and they couldn't find any evidence that Russia was behind that. They they responded by saying, I think it's just a I think it's just organic. The fact that there's a lot of people that want to know what's in the memo. So Nunes, he writes it on January 16th. My father talks about this in America Under Attack. He submits it to the Intel community in, uh, on January 18th. On January 23rd, that's when all these prominent Democrats started to say, it's the Russian bots again. Yeah, we're being infiltrated by Russia. Donald Trump is a Russian agent. Schiff, Feinstein, Blumenthal, they were all amplifying this, uh, this disinformation. They were the ones spreading the propaganda. Everything in the Nunes memo has proven to be true. This is from the Twitter files released yesterday. It says, on January 18th, 2018, Republican Devin Nunes submitted a classified memo to the House Intel Committee detailing abuses by the FBI in obtaining FISA surveillance authority against Trump-centered figures, including the crucial role played by the infamous Steele dossier. As I say, it's all true. We now know this, that the deep state, they abused their power, and they went into these FISA courts, and they just flat-out lied 
and they they used the steel dossier as if it was as if it was all verified, as if it was all the truth. More from the Twitter files. It says the Nunez assertions would virtually all be verified in a report by Justice Department Inspector General Michael uh, Horowitz in December of 2019. So they had to fight tooth and nail just to try to distribute the memo initially. And then, of course, a year and a half later, it's all proven to be true. And this is why the Democrats wanted to bury it. This is why they wanted to censor it. The Twitter files say NBC, Politico, the Associated Press, the Times, Business Insider, and other media outlets who played up the Russian bot story, even Rolling Stone, all declined to comment for this story. This is Matt Taibbi, who's, uh, who's making these revelations known. It says here, the staffs of Dianne Feinstein, Adam Schiff, and Richard Blumenthal also declined comments. See, they have nothing to say now. They're not interested in going back and, and correcting the record. They just move on. They lie and lie and lie brazenly. And they try to censor and blot out. I went through Romans 1 this morning with the epistles class where God says there are those out there who are trying to hold down or suppress the truth. You certainly see that in the world of religion. Now we're seeing it, we're seeing it everywhere around us. Truth fails. <laughs> truth is being buried. It says, uh, uh, this is uh, number 37 on the Twitter files, who did comment? Devin Nunes. They quote him as saying, Schiff and the Democrats falsely claimed Russians were behind the release of the memo hashtag. All, all my investigative work. It says, by spreading the Russia collusion hoax, they instigated one of the greatest outbreaks of mass delusion in U.S. history. He's completely right. One of the, the greatest outbreaks of mass delusion in U.S. history. The Russia, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Number 38 says, this release the memo episode is just one of many in the Twitter files. The Russiagate scandal was built on the craven dishonesty of politicians and reporters who for years ignored the absence of data to fictional scare had headlines. They just ignored the truth. They, it, worse than that, they suppressed the truth and they all worked together. The reason I think this Twitter reveal, this particular batch is so interesting is because of what we had to say, not just in the trumpet, but as I say here in this book, America Under Attack, make sure in either case, if you're not a trumpet subscriber or you don't have the book, call our operators. It's 1-866-930-3024. But the, the Nunez memo was largely responsible for exposing the hoax. It, it was later confirmed to be true. It was verified by the, the Horowitz investigation, which came out at the end of 2019. But when you look back on all of this in hindsight, you see just how brazen the lies are and how they're presented with such seriousness and, and such a somber tone. I mean, this is so serious, says CNN. And, and we've got the backing of the FBI. Listen to this report from CNN going back to the early days of 2018 when they were fighting over Donald Trump. I forget the exact date, but he eventually said, yeah, we're going to release the, the Nunes memo. And he came under a withering attack for doing that. 
You're releasing propaganda. That should, that should be kept private. All those Democrats on that House Intel Committee, they had read the memo. They had read it, and they didn't want it to ever see the light of day for obvious reasons. Listen to this report from that time, clip 10. Breaking news this hour, a White House official tells CNN that President Trump has authorized the release of that highly controversial House Republican memo about the Russia investigation. The FBI still says it has grave concerns about the memo, which CNN is told alleges agency abuse with the secret surveillance warrant process. The FBI, the FBI said they still have grave concerns about this controversial memo says the CNN anchor. And uh, the memo asserts that the FBI was abusing its power and that the FBI was dishonest to the FISA courts. Well, no wonder the FBI said, yeah, we agree with you, CNN. It is controversial and it should not be released. And you look back on that now. The deep state, I mean, it goes deep. There's a, lo- there's a lot of connecting parts We see that with the Twitter files reveal. Of course, big media, they're right in step with it as well. They're there to amplify these lies, this deception. As I say, in that time period, I mean, we were writing a lot, commenting a lot on the Nunes memo. This is from America Under Attack. I'll just give you a quote from the book itself. It says, on January 16, 2018, Devin Nunes, chairman of the House Intel Committee, wrote a a letter known as the Nunes memo. The radical left Democrats in Congress immediately attacked it with fervor. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi called it a sham. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said Nunes was sowing a conspiracy. They fought against the release of the memo and never admitted wrongdoing, but they knew they were lying and that what Nunes had written was absolutely correct. It was absolutely correct. But you see how the FBI worked in collusion with CNN and with Twitter? There was a hashtag, release the Nunes memo. No, don't you do it, Twitter. That hashtag, that's produced by Russian bots. People don't want the the Nunes memo released. That's what they were saying. My father writes, on February 2, 2018, the the House Intel Committee released the memo to the public. It exposed terrible corruption inside the FBI and the Justice Department and a conspiracy to undermine Donald Trump. It showed that top FBI and DOJ officials knew the Steele dossier was salacious and unverified, as Comey put it, but still presented it to the FISA court as if it were proof of a legitimate foreign threat to obtain a warrant to spy on Carter Page. This is, this is not ancient history. This is just a few years ago. And then you see how these Democrats operate today. I mean, just fast forward from this, 2018, 2019. Then you've got the scaremongering in early 2020. The, the pandemic, scamdemic. Leading into the election steal. This is what they do, these people. Like I said, now, how can you even trust how the investigation plays out? Merrick Garland makes the big announcement yesterday. And, and there's all these deep staters involved in investigating themselves, basically. This time, though, as I say, it may well be that Obama's through with uh, Joe Biden. And once Kamala in there, 
for the next couple of years, or certainly in 2024. My father says here, in, in, well, let me just skip ahead. He wrote an article in April of 2018. Some of the content here in this article may also be in America Under Attack. But anyway, my father writes, Nunez memo exposes unseen threat to America. I mean, we, we drew a lot, of, a lot of attention to this memo because it exposed the truth and, and the lies. The truth about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. My father says here, we live in dangerous, a dangerous time of world history. Events are particularly dangerous in America, Britain, and the Jewish state in the Middle East. The reality exposed by this memo is much more dangerous than most people realize. Yet even those with inside knowledge of the memo don't understand the full danger. He talks about the devil, the spirit of the devil behind this memo behind this, actually, this hoax that these Democrats unleashed on Donald Trump. And good for Devin Nunes. The House misses him, by the way. He was quite the, uh, the investigative committee member. And, and he stood up for and defended Donald Trump during the sham impeachment hearings as well. No wonder he went off to work for Donald Trump in his Truth Social outfit. In any event, that's Twitter files... Number 14, and there are more to come. I think there's quite a few people still pretty anxious about what the Twitter revelations will reveal about uh, COVID and Anthony Fauci and all of the strong arm arm tactics coming from uh, the deep state to cover up the truth. More and more of that is being revealed. There was one one, uh, prominent doctor in the UK that was on with BBC, I mean, he's convinced that these vaccine side effects are causing a lot of these, these sudden deaths. And I'm not sure what the producers at, at the BBC were thinking when they invited him to come on. I forget if it was a morning show or an evening show. In any event, he spoke the truth, dropped a little bit of a truth bomb on the uh, people of the UK. Maybe we can play some clips from that exchange uh, next week on the show. When we come back, we'll conclude today's broadcast with our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. The Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course is a distance learning program that makes the Bible clear and understandable. The Correspondence Course enables enrollees to learn what the Bible itself says about subjects that affect you and the world you live in. This fascinating Bible course highlights and proves what the Bible says about morality, war, religion, terrorism, and other current events, focusing on the root causes of this world's many problems facing man, as well as their solutions. The Bible and this course also focuses on the reason mankind was created in the first place, the way to happiness, accomplishment and fulfillment, as well as the truth behind important doctrinal questions, such as what happens after we die, the nature of God, the resurrection, the millennium and other critical subjects. Enroll today in the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. Email your request to TD at kpcg.fm or visit thetrumpet.com The Trumpet Daily 
A few weeks ago on this program, when we were talking about the year in review, I talked uh, some about this work, what God has done over the past year, just how fruitful and productive uh, the year 2022 uh, had been. Now we're, of course, headlong into 2023. But I just want to draw your attention to a passage in Matthew 7. I mentioned this in that show a few weeks ago. But in Matthew 7 and verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. On the outside, they look like innocent and harmless little sheep. But on the inside, they're ravening wolves. So how are you going to know? How are you going to know if a wolf comes to you in sheep's clothing Verse 16 says, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Some of those examples I, I gave to you in the previous segment. I mean, okay, there's words. We tell you Russian bots are doing this, and we should keep that concealed, and uh, it's a conspiracy theory. Those are all words. But how do you know who to believe? How do you know? If they're a sheep, if they're a sheep or if they're a wolf, well, you have to judge by the fruits. You have to look at the actions. You have to look at what they have done. Jesus said in verse 17, Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. It says every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. See, that's the law of the farm, you could say. If it's not producing, you lop it off, throw it into the fire. Or if it's only producing a little bit, like John 15 brings out, I don't know if we'll have time to go over in, in that section of Scripture. Same analogy being used. But if it's only producing a little bit, even the the vine that's producing, you still want to trim it back and prune so that it can promote more growth, more fruitful abundance. Verse 20, it says, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So God judges by the fruits. The fruits, that's the edible, usable portion of the vine or the, the plant or the tree. That's what God is most interested in, the fruit now, you look at the history of, of God's church. As I said, last year, you look at what happened in 2022 with respect to God's work, and there's some fruitful progress and growth, for sure. You look at what happened years ago after Herbert W. Herbert w. Armstrong died in 1986, and the fruits there in the late 80s and early 90s, and, and everything that happened to the Worldwide Church of God, I mean, it was just destroyed, basically. Now, they, they had lots of nice-sounding words, those Laodicean ministers. They said, well, we've got this five-year plan, and we're shifting gears over here to uh, Big Sandy and moving away from California. We're going to close down this program because, well, it's, it's, it's the wise thing to do. We're wise stewards. I mean, we know how to be uh, efficient here. We're, we're saving money for God's work. And then you just fast-forward a few years. Everything's gone. The, the college closed down, all the youth programs. Everything was downsized. They went off TV. 
the plain truth. I'm not sure if it even exists in any format today. But it went from millions upon millions upon millions to just going out to 50 or 60,000 people there in the mid to late 90s. How did that happen? Well, there were some, there were some wolves in sheep's clothing that said one thing to the brethren, even as they were destroying the church from within. It's obvious now, because you can look back. In hindsight, you can look back and you see the fruits. There are plenty of positive and negative examples in our recent history, and certainly there's plenty of examples in the Bible. We see plenty of examples in our nations as well. Who, who really is a patriot and who really isn't? Who really is trying to uphold the standards of the, the nation's founding and who's trying to tear it down? Now, how do we learn from all of this history, these lessons that are all around us? If, if God judges the work of God, his church, if he judges it by what it produces, by what it accomplishes, then be assured this is the same thing he does with us individually. That's what God is, is most concerned about. What, what are we producing? What, what is the fruit like? Is there fruitful abundance? And, and this is something to really meditate on in some detail. Because even, you know, even if you've got some sincere intentions and you are working, you're putting forth effort, you still have to, the bottom line is, is it producing fruit? I mean, it's possible to be just spinning your wheels and not really getting anywhere. The Bible even talks about, you know, the knowledge, just acquiring knowledge for the sake of acquiring knowledge can just puff up your vanity. And you think, well, I'm acquiring knowledge, though. How can that be a bad thing? God appreciates effort, for sure. But what if the effort is misguided? What if the effort doesn't produce good fruit? He appreciates someone who's willing to put in the work, but if they don't stay within the, the guidelines of God's law, if they're not following through on God's purpose and plans, then, you know, it could all be for naught. It could be just a vain exercise. I mentioned this morning, Paul, when he was addressing the Romans or the brethren in Rome, he said, look, I've long desired to come and see you, but it, it just hasn't worked out. I mean, his, in his plans, and Paul really did plan out lots of long trips, but he always left himself a little bit of latitude to... You know, take a left turn if God said go left. He was out there working. His sleeves were rolled up. But what if, you know, what if when God inspired Paul or, or mentioned to him in vision that, no, I want you to head over in this direction. What if Paul just kept barreling ahead in the direction that he wanted to go? He would have still been working, but he wouldn't have been fully submitted to God's lead. He wouldn't have been following God's direction. And God wouldn't have blessed it. It's important. If we want to produce fruit, it's important that our effort, what we're putting in, is, it, that it complies with God's will, for sure. God doesn't judge us according to just effort alone. 
He doesn't judge us according to, it doesn't say in Matthew 7 that, uh, I, you know, judge, Jesus didn't say, judge according to their talents and their special aptitudes. As I say, you, you listen to a little snippet from a news report in 2018. These are educated people. We've just been told, and the FBI has backed us up, that this is a conspiracy. So our aim is to try to keep this truth, or rather this memo, from ever seeing the light of day. I mean, it all sounds so official. And then you scratch beneath the surface, and what do you find? Lies and more lies. God doesn't judge according to what we say. Even the Bible says, if you're a a hearer, of the word only, but not a doer. You're just deceiving yourselves. It's so easy to deceive ourselves with words or to be deceived by words. That's why Jesus said, judge by the fruits. Judge by the fruits. God doesn't judge us according to our intentions. Good intentions, you know the saying. The road to hell, as they say. It's paved with good intentions. I'll leave aside the false doctrine of it all, but the saying, I mean, there is something to that. If you just have good intentions, but you don't produce uh, the fruit in the end, there's nothing there to show for it. How many times have we made a complete botch of something and then said or excused ourselves or excused ourselves in front of someone else by saying, well, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do that. Well, but if you did, you've still got to deal with it. You've still got to confront the fact that this did not work out, that you made a mess of something, that you caused a train wreck, so to speak. Just because we have good intentions doesn't mean that we're producing good fruit. A lot of times it's just the opposite because so many people won't act on those good intentions. They won't follow through. God says, judge according to the fruits. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, judge by the appearance. How does it look on the outside? Well, leading into that instruction, as I just read to you, he says, how are you going to know if a wolf comes to you in sheep's clothing? Well, you certainly can't look at the appearance if that's the case, because it'll look like a sheep. God said through Samuel, or to Samuel, when he went to anoint David. This is from 1 Samuel 16. It says, But the Eternal said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. It says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Eternal looks on the heart. See, God looks at what's going on on the inside He doesn't look on the appearance or the stature. He looks on the inside. He's he's evaluating us, examining us for the fruit that we're producing or not producing. That's what he judges by. He's judging us according to the end result, the bottom line, not according to the process along the way. I mean, that's important. We've talked to the students this uh, start of the semester about setting goals and the process along the way to make sure you're keeping yourself in check, to make sure that you are working your, your way in the right direction toward that end destination. But in the end, I mean, what matters is the bottom line. Did you complete the task or did you follow through? Did you go ahead and produce the fruit? 
if the fruit is good, then the tree is good, said Jesus. If the, the fruit is bad, then the, the whole tree is bad. God, you see, is judging us according to the end result. Notice Galatians 6. We'll have to hurry through this, but I think I can get through two or three verses. Verse 4, it says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Every man's going to have to prove his own work. We're all being judged. We're all having to work out our own salvation, as it says in Philippians 2.12. Now, there's a lot to be said for helping one another, and Paul brings that out in his writings as well. But God expects each individual Christian, each individual family member, to produce, to produce fruit. Verse 5 says, for, for every man shall bear his own burden. And then verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You see, what we sow grows and grows until it finally brings forth. What kind of seeds did we put down? And then, yes, what about the process along the way? In the end, you know. You know if it's a, an evil tree or you know if it's a good tree. You just look at the fruit. And then it becomes obvious. It may not, it may not always be obvious early on. But in the end, we'll know. Verse 8, it says, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap uh, corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So sowing according to the Spirit, laying down those spiritual seeds, I mean, that brings in another dimension to all of this, which is really the foundation of it all, in that we're to bring God into the center of our activities, into the center of all that we do. If he's there and we're you know, humbly, compliantly following along, then it will be a fruitful and productive effort in the end. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show. Thank you for joining us all week if you've done that, and we'll see you next time.